Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. Just a heads up, this is a departure from your normal TDS episode. I think anyone who knows me or has been following my scarcely posted on but enthusiastic 80s film and Bill and Ted stuff recently on social meds will know by now that Bill and Ted are coming back for a third installment that uh, will be available on select screens and digital some way on the 28th of August. This is a very big deal in my life. You'll get a chance in this episode to meet and get to know a bit a gentleman by the name of Aaron Sperling, uh, an actor, a filmmaker, currently working in broadcasting, but let's call a spade a spade. You're going to be hearing a lot of film buff enthusiasm and 80s movie infatuation from a couple of 80s born dudes. It's fun and indulgent and you might not like it. How about you'll either like it or not like it or you'll really like it. And we recorded it a week ago over Zoom with me in the Arctic and Aaron from Florida, US, to give you an idea of the audio quality. Uh, Aaron's a real sweet fella, and we've become good friends online over the resurrected Bill and Ted hysteria. I think on behalf of Aaron and I, we'd like to dedicate this episode to Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson and the cast who created Bill and Ted and delivered us this lifelong enjoyment, whether they hoped or intended for it to or not. And of course, this goes out to all of the wonderful fellow Bill and Ted fans around the world, especially the love-filled and non-toxic of us. Let's rock, right? It's 2020, and a great time for Bill and Ted Face the Music to be out, and I think it's nice that I have this platform to put an episode out in celebration and anticipation of such a bodacious thing. So here goes. Drop this podcast episode into your VCR and grab the television remote. <laughs> nah, whatever. Because here comes this one with Aaron Sperling. All right, dude. Sup, dude? How's it going? <laughs> Not bad. How are you doing? How's your day? Mon- you know, Monday's always just like, you know, it's Monday, but, uh, you know, I, I am working and there's a lot of people who aren't, so I shouldn't complain. Life is good. Right. Where are you chatting to me from again? My house. Where in the world? Yeah, sure. Uh, where in the world? My house. I'm in uh, <laughs> South Florida, just a little bit north of uh, Miami. It's been it's been a whole bunch of uh, you know Florida people not following the rules down here. So I don't do anything. I just stay inside and I don't contribute to the problem and I don't uh, you know uh, let myself get caught up in what, whatever they're doing. And then right. we just had a uh, like an almost hurricane. And now it's hurricane season. Like. You know, we're, we're like back in it and every week it's like, oh, what's going to maybe hit us or is it going to destroy us? That's, that's never fun. No one, like grief. no one down here, like you just pretend that it's normal. Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> How's everything going up, up there? I don't really know much about where you live. When you described it to me and, and I looked it up on a map, I was like, wow, that's like really far away. <laughs> it's like just yeah. out and it's like. It's weird. I don't consider this where I'm from. I consider Ontario where I'm from, meaning Waterloo, an hour outside of Toronto. But Joe Haven, Nunavut is literally the polar opposite of where you are. It's in the Arctic Circle, <laughs> which is in a territory called Nunavut, primarily Inuit here, which is sort of a blanket term in itself. But yeah, uh, my girlfriend's a teacher here and that, that's what I'm doing here. I just got a job running the post office here. That is so cool, man. 
I don't feel the least bit bad about this, but I've been almost marathoning 80s movies. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And that's uh, maybe why you came into the Bill and Ted group. You like looked up Bill and Ted groups after you watched that in your binge. Oh, no, no. Bill and Ted has been with me my entire life. I'm going to guess you're between 25, 28. I am older than that. I definitely kind of act young. And, and that also might be like the uh, South Florida thing. Like no one grows up around here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm 34. Okay, so you look younger. I'm 35. So you and I were both born in the mid-1980s, which is kind of cool yep. to say. Because, again, I'm on this huge 80s kick. So, fuck, I would have to guess that for both of us, not only alive when the movies came out, but young enough to be children affected by these movies when they were brand new. The basis of our chatting right now, is, of course, is you've set up probably the most bodacious of all. Well, I think I know about three, but of the Bill and Ted communities on Facebook. My first thing I just want to connect with you on, how did Bill and Ted come into your life? Well, so first of all, it's super flattering. Uh, I, thanks, man. That was really nice. And I don't even want the credit for it. I'm just trying to like keep an old community alive. And actually, it ties really well into your question. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved 80s movies. Like, um, you know, I was watching them starting in like 90 three and you know 1992 to 94 when is when i started getting into like adult movies or whatever and right. it's funny the 80s were not that long ago but it just felt different to me somehow like you know people aren't talking about it actively so it was kind of cool for me like initially going through whatever vhs tapes that we already had like indiana jones and star wars but of course blockbuster and you know looking specifically for certain movies in that style or talking to the guy or telling my right. dad hey pick something out I actually found out, I found Back to the Future through um, McDonald's was like, if you buy a, a meal, you would, they would do, they would give you like one of five Hollywood VHS tapes for a dollar. And I got all of them and it was like Back to the Future and the Adams Family, Field of Dreams and a few other, a few other movies. And then like Back to the Future just totally consumed me and like became mm -hmm. my favorite thing. And then my dad was like, you know, you would love Bill and Ted. Uh, I'm like, I, I don't understand what that is, but there's no way it's going to be as good as Back to the Future. And then um, I, I, then I rented it and was like, oh my God, this is as good as Back to the Future. I know, you know, I mean, I literally, I went to school for film. So I know that Back to the Future is a much better film than Bill and Ted, like if you're looking at it. But I don't right. know, Bill and Ted has so much heart and it's really funny and um, everything kind of has a purpose, even though it's like, if you look at other movies in that genre, like, Wayne's World that are in their own right very good movies it seems like less of a punchline like intentionally like the characters actually kind of exist in like a more like wholesome way or something so right. I was just always really drawn to that and just their good natured good spirited you know and, and then when you're like a teenager and people are like oh you like Bill and Ted that stoner movie I'm like I don't think you've ever watched Bill and Ted right clearly. <laughs> yeah. for me it, I, I didn't discover <laughs> I just want to put this on the record that I, I don't think they're Citizen Kane. I don't love them because I think that they are <laughs> movies that should be worshipped. I love them because they pleased me so much and they pleased me for so long in my life. And, um, yeah. you know, not, not everything that makes you happy, happy has to be, you know, Siskel and Ebert approved or whatever, but everything about them aesthetically pleases me from the music of Big Pig to the... Oh, yeah. Just watching the evolution of the 80s into the 90s via these two films. I like how, like, um, 
you have to, you sometimes wonder is a, is a movie that I love so much like Bill and Ted, which is so connected to my childhood when I enjoyed it. And, you know, I've been, you know, we we're you and me uh, have both watched it a bunch of times since we were kids. And it's like, Oh, is it just nostalgia? But then I'm watching the people coming in on that page. And it's always cool, like being a part of community. So you yeah. can get like a sense of scope. And then you, someone's like, Oh, I'm an adult. And I, I just, you know, my friend just showed it to me for the first time and I freaking love this movie or some like teenager now in 2020. It's like, Oh, I showed it to my kid. And now my kid is like obsessed with it. And, you know, or right. like, and my six year old is drawing pictures of it. And like, you know, it's like reassuring that uh, these characters and their story do hold up. And it's not like can only be enjoyed by us aging, you know, nineties right. kids or whatever. <laughs> and at the same time, back, back to the future is a really good reference point not just considering they have these similar threads, but the 80s into the 90s introduced both Bill and Ted and Back to the Future. And Back to the Future, it's always had so much more of a big-ass cult following. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like, Bill and Ted has two, but it's Bill and Ted is just more fringe. Every, every cool sitcom with millennials refers to Back to the Future as, like, a high-five not, nod to the audience. and. It's been funny watching Back to the Future kind of become that, by the way, because like, uh, I mean, I'm equally to, I mean, even though I've talked a lot about Bill and Ted on here, I'm in like those hardcore, there's a really great Back to the Future group for like the diehard fans called the Citizens of Hill Valley. And Mm -hmm. it's run by all these people that go to conventions and meetups. And anytime that, you know, Michael J. Fox is signing autographs, they all go on October uh, 2015. They all actually like went to the mall where the scene at the beginning of Back to the Future 1 was filmed and they all dressed up like Marty and they celebrated the date that Marty arrives into the future, uh, you know, and gets his hoverboard and everything like that. So it's been, but it's been interesting in pop culture watching like, oh, this used to be just this thing that I liked when I was sitting at home and watching a movie by myself or with like my best friend from elementary school. And then you find out that like, wow, everyone had this experience and like, it's cool to reference it because people know it and they love it. Right. And Bill and Ted is not enough like that. But when you do meet someone like right now, as being able to talk about this like shared experience, it's almost more special if it's kind of like ours. Right. It's not like the world. And up until now, it's only had one less movie than Back to the Future, if you think about it. Ready, Bill? Ready, Ted. One, two. One, two, three, four. Pretty much every actor who could play 18 years old audition. Reeves and I had read together earlier and then kind of got broken apart and then brought back together again. It was all about the chemistry. Alex and Keanu were always there talking. I mean, they're funny. They're good characters. And weirdly, we had the same thing on this with Bridget and Samara. I shadowed Keanu for the last year. I was there in the kitchen. I was there in the bathroom. I was there at work. They're very passionate, and they're very passionate about music. They live in a bubble of music, but they really know their tunes. They're described as iconoclasts. They feel like our kids in that way. When we got them together, it was like deja vu. Dude, our dads are totally in trouble. We should help them out. This movie really delivers. It's such a heartwarming story. Audiences are going to lose their minds. Lose their minds. It is imperative that you write the song that will unite the entire world and save reality. Oh, wait, is that new? Yeah.
if I'm told that I'm reading what is actually real, I've read parts of the script to this new third movie. I think it could end up being a better trilogy than Back to the Future. And I don't know if that's like blasphemous, but I don't know. I, I've uh, Someone in the group claims to have a second draft of the script from 2016. In this version of the script, it's not Kid Cudi. It's, I mean, I have the pages on my phone. I could look at it, but it's another popular rapper or whatever. And apparently, aside from that, it's the essentially almost unchanged script. And, and the parts that I've read were like, oh my God, phenomenal. 18 days. Can be, it's funny, this <laughs> podcast might be out after right. the movie's already come out. They're like, yeah, I mean, obviously, because we all saw it. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like Kevin Smith already said too much. And, you know, he, he mm-hmm. loves hearing himself talk. And I love Kevin Smith while I'm saying that. But <laughs> I, I, I love I love Kevin Smith. And yeah, it, it's funny how like it's interesting. He said, oh, you can cut that out, man. If you know, because I, I yeah. watched the panel, of course. Like, yeah. Oh, maybe I wasn't supposed to say that you can cut that out or whatever. I'm not going to speak to anything you said. I I'm, would never be uh, as like such a fan. Like I chose to engage in those spoilers. Like, I, you know, right. and truthfully, I guess I'm glad that I did because I literally can't wait another. <laughs> and those small amounts are like kind of satiating me. I've read like maybe 15 pages or something like that and it's just mm-hmm. so good it's gonna live up to the weight if this is real what i read and it seems real and parts of the movie trailers were in two of these of like the four scenes that i read so it seems legit well, god damn man fuck i'm gonna open up to you a little bit i came into bill and ted within a year after bogus journey came out so i was a little late i was that would have put me at about six years old so still very young still around the time that it was it wasn't that much later. It was like within a year. It was on a Canadian uh, movie network called The Movie Network. Mm-hmm. I was a six-year-old that at that time was still prone to believing in heaven and hell because I was put in a Catholic church. And when, when I kind of believed that it was a real place, I was really delivered into the experience of the movie scene where they go to heaven. And I was really fucking afraid because that music by David Newman. Which, by the way, total mis- uh, he's not back for the third one. Apparently. I know. And that's kind of, I think. <laughs> Maybe going to be a mistake, but yeah, his his but, his angelic scoring there. I mean, oh the scoring throughout both, he just delivered on exactly what the tone should have been when they're walking up to heaven. It's really like it's mesmerizing. Yeah. It, it was overwhelming for me as a kid. Like I, I hadn't picked up the guitar yet. I, I didn't I didn't break apart music. I just experienced what was happening, and through that, I was obsessed with Bogus Journey. And to this day, it's I won't compete the two films, but I just know that. Focus journeys closer to me that way because of my relationship with it. And then I found out that there was a movie before it. <laughs> it was cool to me to be watching it as the older one, like the first one. And this is before I could even possibly have a conversation with another human being that knew about these movies. This was in elementary school in the early 90s. I, I've been enchanted by all of it. I bought the box set of uh, Pro Set trading cards. Yep. I've got an unopened box in the other room and I had a box that I'd gotten as a kid also. And I just bought another one recently just cause like, just reminds me of like yeah. having those cards in the nineties. Oh God. And they, they were really proficient in doing, you know, the job that the internet would do later in showing me visuals of like scenes that were cut out. Like who's that guy with the rat in hell in Bogus Journey. I, I love it. There was no way at that time to, by the time I was watching it, any like fan literature or anything would have been gone. And mm-hmm. then those trading cards like show deleted scenes, which if someone doesn't remember like before DVDs, so rarely did you get a VHS tape that had like extra content at the end yeah. of the movie. 
Uh, I mean, it did happen, but so rarely did that did you get like any kind of special features about a movie. So it's like what you watched was your experience, and then you talked about it with other people, and then like you maybe watched it again if it was good, which you know these movies were. On the VHS copy of Bogus Journey that I had, and I got it later, it had the music video. The music video for Shout It Out, and n- not one yeah. DVD. I bought the two uh, DVD versions, and since then, thank you. Shout Factory for that Blu-ray package. Nothing after that Bogus Journey VHS included the video uh, for Slaughter Shut It Up. YouTube does that now. That that was my first special feature experience. So true. So the pro set, this is how I know that there was a live action TV show and a cartoon adaptation. I've seen the pilot. It's a prime example of when a network producer has no idea what the essence is of what they're adapting for television. Yeah. I, I watched them. Yeah, what a disaster. <laughs> Apparently, by the way, if, if you're in the 80s movie, kick, do you know that there was a live action Ferris Bueller's Day Off TV show? No. I saw a pilot yeah. for the Clerks uh, sitcom, which had Jim Brewer from Half-Baked, and it was nothing like Clerks yeah. either. It was really bad. And Kevin Smith found out about it like when the pilot was going around Hollywood. He hadn't been consulted at any point. I've, I've, I've seen it too. It's like... Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was like completely sanitized and like had lost, you know, the essence of what made the movie good. Like Clerks, its voice. The cartoon show, by the way, Clerks the animated series is fantastic. You right. Never seen it. Yeah. I mean, clearly <laughs> both for Bill and Ted and Clerks, this is something that the creators and the, the people who wrote it and were a part of the original property had their hands in it. Like Alex Winter and Keena Reeves voiced mm-hmm. the cartoon Bill and Ted, didn't they? Yeah, in the first season, there were two or three seasons, maybe three. And then, um, and then the the people who voiced their replacements on the cartoon show ended up doing that. They were the people who played them in live action, which had the same name as the animated show. It was all weird. Like, I don't, they they didn't know what they were doing. Am I crazy? Or is there something magical about Alex Winter's voice? Like when you've fallen in love with Bill and Ted, you've had the chance, the royal you, you know what I mean? You've had the chance to see Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves in a shit ton of other movies. We haven't lost sight of Keanu. Alex Winter, of course. You know, I have have a VHS of Rosalie Go Shopping. I've seen The Lost Boys. But there's not too much else of him out there. Bill and Ted is this cradle of hearing Alex Winter's voice. So to see these new trailers of the new Bill and Ted movie where he's talking as Bill again, and you see that Bill grin... Doesn't it just, doesn't it make your fucking heart tingle? Dude, uh, it's been, it's honestly been overwhelming for me. Like never in my life, this does feel like almost like an alternate timeline reality. I'm like running the fan group for it and you think I should be like acclimated to the water by now, but it's like, it's such so trippy that this is not only really happening, but that we're going to have it in just over two weeks from when we're recording this podcast. It's like been, like you said, completely overwhelming watching them play the characters again. And it, I don't know, it just looks like, like they did it. Like they pulled off what the third movie right. should be. So I'm just so excited. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Indeed. I, I think I remember in 1992, this is when I was still a drawing kid and I still believed in Santa. I don't know if it was a video game or a third movie. I outlined a third game or movie. Like I drew up oh, the, the blueprints did sketches of the um, Nintendo game, I think. The phone booth? Yeah. Oh, okay. I had, yeah. I, I, had the, I had the Nintendo game and the Game Boy game. Game Boy game, way better, by the way. 
Oh, way better. Anyway. I thought if I created a good enough idea of what they would do with an, a follow-up video game that they could base a third movie on it. Like, I'm just like, Santa, you're magical. Can you, can you make this happen? Because that's how Hollywood works, right? <laughs> when the movie comes out, what if it's the exact plot that you wrote Santa when you were six years old? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, my bodacious American friend, Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. and Michael J. Fox, both Canadian. You're welcome. Oh, Canadian. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys gave us uh, Tom Green and Jim Carrey, and you know, there's tons of tons of royalty comes from Canada. I'm not a I'm not a Drake fan, but I mean he's Canadian, you know. So people like him. Yeah, people do like Drake. Teach their own. He started the way that all famous Canadians start on Degrassi, right? <laughs> Is that what he means by the bottom? That might be the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> 25 years ago, you played a concert in front of the entire world. One month ago, you played in Barstow, California for 40 people, most of whom were there for $2 taco night. Bill and Ted, what have you got to say for yourselves? Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. You were supposed to unite the world and save reality as we know it. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Whoa! Take it from ourselves! But isn't that stealing? How is that stealing? We're stealing it from ourselves, dude. No way! How'd you like our song? It's a little on the dark side, but you know, that's cool. I've got one for you. Um, if you haven't seen it and it's on your list, which it should be, it's definitely in the 80s, uh, late 80s. Have you seen Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage? No, but I've heard of it. I definitely, it's in my wheelhouse. I've heard of it. Prioritize that. It is okay. one of the great dark comedies of our time. It's possibly his best performance. Possibly one of the best movies ever. It's like such a bad movie that right. it is transcendent. You've definitely made, like seen the clip where he's like, I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. <laughs> and then you make the vampires uh, over here. <laughs> and there's this incredible, there's this incredible um, scene in the movie where he's like either going crazy or is he or what's real or whatever. Right. He stands up on a desk at work and, sc- and screams at his secretary. <laughs> he claims that his, sec- his secretary has misfiled uh, a document. And he's like, you just put it in alphabetical order. And he just starts listing out the alphabet and getting crazier and crazier. He jumps up on the desk. A, B, C, D. It's, uh, dude, it's, wow. it is one of the all-time greats. Now, and anyone you... who's listening to this would benefit from watching it, too. Okay, Vampire's Kiss with Stop. Nick Cage. Are you at all subtly referencing or nodding to me something in the realm of Abed's conundrum on community of whether or not Nick Cage is a good actor or a terrible actor? You know, Abed, you know, just because the TV show 
pointed it out. I think we've all thought it like, Oh no, no. I get to like, I know I love, I love community. I wasn't intentionally referencing it, but I've, I know I've seen and appreciated that scene because we we've all thought of it, you know? Yeah. So have you seen American werewolf in London? I've never seen it. Uh, but I know it's supposed to be really good. If you look at the poster art for it, you don't recognize the guys from pretty much anything else because I don't think they really did too much else outside of this, but it's right between what John Landis was doing with the Blues Brothers and what he did after this movie with Thriller, the Michael Jackson video. Hmm. So it's yeah. two guys getting up to no good and one of them turns into a werewolf. Very well written and structured, like no third act problems. It's a perfect story yeah i haven't heard of anyone recommend that in a very long time so and i know i'd heard when i was younger and i was like yeah werewolf i've already seen teen wolf I, i'm good right. and i just never watched it <laughs> yeah uh, wow teen probably not not very similar <laughs> great movie but probably not very similar uh, i love landis and blues brothers is another one of those movies like i have like five to eight like top of mind will always infinitely rewatchable blues brothers for me is one of those movies so if there's another i didn't even know there was a john landis element in uh american world werewolf so i would definitely check that out well it's weird because when i watch the thriller music video you see john landis's name on it and you're like oh that's the guy from blues brothers wow that's different yeah i I don't see john belushi in this and then you watch blues brothers that's the same guy who did thriller with all that dancing you know and monsters that's so funny (laughs) the twilight zone movie have you seen that? Yeah. Do you know about the controversy in that movie? Oh, I, I can imagine all sorts as with any 80s movie, but... No, you, you don't know about the onset death? What? One of the main characters in that movie died, and they had to restructure the edit of the film to work around his death. So there's... Um, so it's been a long time since I've seen it, but there was a, a third sequence where a guy like who I guess had been in the Vietnam war or something like in the sequence, he's definitely like saving two Vietnamese children on a helicopter. And there's like an explosion or something like that. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. I think it was the third and final sequence. Yeah. I think it was some guy like stuck reliving his Vietnam war experience or something. And the actor who played him was a pretty famous actor up to that point. And then in the scene where he was rescuing the kids and jumping in the helicopter, his head got cut off by the helicopter blades. Oh my God. Wow. And this really happened to one of the main, and they still kept his sequence in the movie. It just had a different ending than was scripted because they literally couldn't shoot the rest of it because his head was cut off filming the movie. Huh? Well, I, (laughs) I I know this, they don't really make as much anthology movies as they used to by Mm -hmm. anthology. I mean, a movie that's made up of different segments. Sometimes they can weave into each other or be related. Sometimes they can just be, in some sort of theme. I think Quentin Tarantino's done some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But The Twilight Zone, as you know, is is made up of short films by John Landis and Steven Spielberg did one. In the John Landis segments, they, they get some of their, their friends like Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks did one. John Lithgow did a bit. John, the, John Lithgow, yeah. I remembered his name off the top of my head and I have no clue. I used to be like really sharp with like random Hollywood trivia when I was younger <laughs> and like just... It still is in there. I, I swear I didn't Google it. Vic Morrow. Is that the name if you're looking it up? It's like oh. Vic Morrow. M-O is like tomorrow without the T-O. Something like that. Okay, well, that's something else. I had no idea about that. Yeah, so- but that that actor in that sequence uh, is so wild on Twilight Zone, the movie of all, of all productions, would something so creepy and terrible happen? Yeah. 
And like that movie was, you know, like Spielberg was on that movie. It's like, that was like big name people like attached all the way across the board on it. It's just crazy. I know heavy metal is another one like that. I thought heavy metal was just made by a bunch of losers, but like you actually look into it and watch it. And it turns out that uh, that's an Ivan Reitman movie, you know, the guy who brought us animal house and Caddyshack. And so Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. And yeah, Bill Murray does a voice in it, John Candy. This is one of those things where you you probably know the exact same thing that I'm about to say is that there are these really, really cool parallels between the rock star comedic actors of the late 70s, early 80s, that first SNL cast and SCTV people. They're on these sketch shows on TV, subculture rock stars. And then we get to see them in movies that play on their strengths. And then we get to see them diversify and do like movies like heavy metal and scary movies. And like, whoa, it's new dimensions to Bill Murray when he's in a scary movie. Right now, there's that exact same thing with that Judd Apatow cast. We fall in love with them via their making movies with our friends type deal. And then they diversify and there's something special about that. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, definitely. There's... um. Right before the like the um, Seth Rogen Jonah Hill generation, there was like in the early two thousands, there was Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Will yeah. Ferrell, and all those people. And I remember reading an article, you know, in the seventies there was the Rat Pack, and then in the eighties there was the Brat Pack and you know, all the John Hughes movies. And then in the early two thousands, now we have all these guys making movies like Old School, and they're the Frat Pack. The Frat Pack. I thought pack. that was really funny. I think this is a lot of fun that we're um, falling off of Bill and Ted, but I'm discovering that like, I'm not only chatting with someone who really loves movies, but also knows a lot about movies. I mean, of course I knew that you've made some films in college and haven't had enough time to since maybe for yourself. I'm going to be a very poor interview here. Can you tell me what the story is with that? Like, did you have dreams of working in film? As luck would have it, you know, even though I'm not making, I don't know. I mean, when I started making like, you know, getting into film and making my own movies and stuff and, you know, putting them on YouTube, like right when YouTube was new, I had already been into like flash animation and tried like my hand at like Newgrounds and all that kind of stuff in the early 2000s. You know, I always had an interest in film and I was like, well, I'm not really great at anything, but like I'm you know, pretty creative or whatever. So I taught myself like how to make my own sketch comedy videos and I was putting them on YouTube. There was definitely no like monetization or anything like that. So I didn't really take it seriously. I just made videos for fun and I would do everything in them. I, like I, I was trying to test myself. I say I would write something, shoot it, edit it and upload it all in one day. So like the first couple things that I made in like 2004 or five or whatever, I was churning that stuff out real quick for a while. And then I was like, okay, well, I know I taught myself how to edit at this point. Right. Then I went off to college and I would shoot stuff and never like finish editing it. Cause I was like always on the go and stuff. And then I made a couple more videos when I went to um, college and I got my degree in multimedia production and stuff. But then I already knew how to do that, but I was like, oh, am I ever going to actually get a job in this industry or did I just really get an expensive piece of paper or whatever that says, you know, I'm hireable because I have a bachelor's degree or whatever. Either way, I knew how to do the film stuff then, but I said, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to act. So I kind of moved away from shooting video at that time because uh, I got a couple of different agents. I had, like most people do, like a bad agent at first who was taking a a lot of commission or whatever. But I pick up like extra work because I'm in South Florida where Hollywood, 
when it's too expensive to shoot in California, they'll just shoot in Florida because they look so similar. Now that Florida is starting to get more expensive over the past 15 to 20 years, now a lot of sh- like stuff like, let's say, like The Walking Dead is shooting in Georgia because Georgia essentially looks like Florida, which essentially looks like California. So they're yeah. trying to see how far they can kind of push it or whatever. But Am I crazy? But um, did, did, they, did they make Bad Boys for Life not in Miami? I didn't see it yet, which is actually a shame because I was really looking forward to it. I need to. I love the first two movies. So uh, but I, I think it was shot down. I think it was shot down here because I remember calls for extras and stuff were going out. Because right. I still get the emails from my agents. So anyway, for a couple of years, I, I did a bunch of like extra work. I was in a commercial. Uh, I was in a couple of music videos, a lot of TV shows, mm-hmm. um, and got to meet a bunch of celebrities and stuff. And I had like funny conversations with Alec Baldwin and Russell Brand. Uh, super brief conversation with Paul Giamatti. Uh, so like all that, all that time. Uh, I was on set with Bruce, Bruce Campbell, who was like, I just couldn't get a word in with him or whatever. Uh, but, you know, all that time was so valuable to me. And I'm like, really glad that I did it. And now I work at a TV station and I make those uh, tonight at 10. You'll never believe what happened. And then something even crazier happened. Tune in, <laughs> you know, kind of commercial. So I'm always writing, you know, you have to like kind of like write in a way that's going to get someone to be interested in tuning right. in without telling them the story. You just want to kind of give them the hook. And then make it sound like maybe it's even worse than it is. And that gets them to put their eyes on the TV or whatever. So I'm writing and then I'm either editing or I have an editor that I work with. We have a a graphic design department and a music, uh, in-house music guy. So I get to oversee the production of of these videos that are only going to get watched a couple times a day. But it is a major market, you know, local news station. So... It's definitely like satisfying. And then I always have these dreams like, oh, I should do some, you know, more sketch comedy videos like I did 15 years ago. But then I'm like, well, you know, I am 15 years older. So I like I have a desire to do it, but I got to get, you know, motivated. Right. It sounds like you enjoy all the aspects of what you do, which is good. You would want that for anybody. You would want for someone to, to wake up and, and not play chicken with the alarm <laughs> clock. I'd like to imagine just as an enthusiastic, never dying creative would that you still have like the juice, like you want to create something, right? Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, it's like part of what killed my motivation. And then I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to start acting. I always, you know, I'll regret it one day if I don't. And I'm glad that I did. But part of uh, what kind of killed my motivation was, I mean, it's got to be almost 10 years ago now. One of my hard drives died and it had a bunch of like half written scripts and a whole bunch of ideas and stuff. And like, I still have them in my head. Right. I, I remember, you know, some of the stuff that I wanted to do. It's like, oh, all that work is gone. And I, you know, I'm so hard to motivate. I'm like, oh, I'll just find another passion. <laughs> right. The time, the time of day isn't the same as it was, maybe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Shit, man. I, I, I'm not a words of wisdom person, but I, I, I care about you as a human being. Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> You're like, oh, scratch that, reverse it. No, it was good. For these in the wild stallions. Let's rock! When your wives suggested couples therapy, do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel. And you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to unite the world. 
And I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Whoa! Whoa! Greetings, my excellent friend. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan. Performed tonight will save reality as we know it. Oh! Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves! Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing? If we're stealing it from ourselves, dude. Dude, our dads are totally in trouble. Yeah! Yeah! We should help them out. Yeah! No way! How's, How's it going, going Bill and Ted? We're putting together a most extraordinary band. Hey, you want to be in our band? Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so fantastic. We're going to go talk to Death. Is he playing hopscotch by himself? Dude, he's cheating. Hey, Death. Life, it isn't a wild stallion. Let's rock! Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Doing? Well, you know, we're dead and we're in hell. But how you doing? We're, we're good. good. Well, not not only did you seem like like it was promised in my brain based on the interactions via the Bill and Ted group that that you'd be a cool guy to chat with. And and by God, I was right. The thing that I love the most about, or I'm going to circle around here to um, the group, the environment of it was back to the fandom, back to the positive behavior, the positive vibes. The uh, And uh, I, I mean, it's, it's not written down in the mandate, but seriously, it's you uphold it in such a way. I remember making a sarcastic remark that was only meant to make me laugh about like, it would sure suck if David Newman doesn't score this one. That was me being like snarky as a way of just saying how much I loved the guy who scored the first two movies work. And you as the administrator, you very diplomatically said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm your I'm buddy, kidding. I feel you, but hey, who knows, whatever. Like, <laughs> it was good spirited. I'm pretty active there because I like, I like that vibe and I, and I like talking about it with other people. And then like the people who have joined, like, I don't know how many people are actually from like the story, like the real quick, like one minute story of this group is that it's based on the original Bill and Ted fan club. And I wasn't, I was an actual physical fan club member in the 1990s. Right. Uh, the lady who ran the whole fan club, her name is Linda Kay. And um, I'm a little unclear of her whereabouts right now. She's kind of retired from the fandom, but um, she ran the, the physical fan club for a while before I was interested. So I guess I shouldn't say I was, I was an actual member. So uh, there was a physical fan club that went existed from like 1990 or 1991 to like 1993 or four. Oh, and in like 95 or 90, in 95 to 96, when I was, the, it was called the, the Bill and Ted Past, Present and Future Appreciation Society. And uh, Linda Kay started this whole thing. And then when, when I guess uh, it wasn't possible to continue running 
a physical fan club without enough members, or I don't know exactly what happened or, or there was nothing new to report on maybe outside of, Oh, you know, Keanu Reeves is in speed or, uh, and there was like Bill and Ted hype was dying down. She shifted to the new medium of the internet. And I remember as a kid, the way I found her and I found that the fact that there even was a fan club was, I, I remember I was so into back to the future dot com which was i think bttf.net at the time or something and and then there was uh, ghostbusters hq for my one of my other favorite fandoms and then i was like there's got to be one for bill and ted and and she started a very early bill and ted fan site when there were a lot of movies didn't have fan sites yet and it was bill and ted.org yeah looking at um, it right now it's literally a time capsule to exactly what it looked like when i found it with my friend daniel in third grade and we just loved it. And like there was merchandise and it's like, you get past issues of the physical fan club. And I got in touch with her. I, you know, I bought, I bought some stuff and she found out when I was a kid, you know, eight to eight to 10 year old somewhere. She was like, Oh, I don't want to charge you. You're a little, you're a little kid. And she like sent me a whole care package of old issues and bumper stickers and comic books and like a whole bunch of stuff. And it made me like so much of a fan. And then she even like offered to, like give me bootlegged copies of the Bill and Ted TV show, uh, which as a kid, I was like just thirsting for, you know, this stuff that doesn't exist. It never got released on VHS and she had taped it off of TV. And before you could even digitize it, she offered to like do tape to tape transfers for me. For some reason, my mom just felt sketched out about sending tapes back and forth with a woman online. I I was like, mom, she's the president of the Bill and Ted fan club. And she's like, I don't, I don't know. We're good. Uh, So, you know, I didn't find, I didn't get to see that till years later, but, and then, you know, when I joined Facebook and groups were a thing, like she, she made a group version of that website. So I joined and and that to me was always the real original Bill and Ted fan community. So like just kind of roundabout, like, I feel like I don't really have to make much effort to harbor this community. Granted it's, it's less than 2000 people right now, but I feel pretty proud that as soon as she said, I'm retiring you know, I'm going to archive the Facebook group. I'm discontinuing the website. It'll stay up, but I'm not going to be updating it anymore. That like, that bums me out. Cause I was like, you know, and, and right on the eve of the new movie coming out, um, truthfully, I don't, I don't know if, if she has a, you know, health issues or something. I just wish her the best. Cause she was such a nice uh, person who like really engaged me in this fandom. When I was a kid, I, I might've lost steam with it myself if she hadn't sent me that whole care package. And it was just so, so cool reading like articles. And so I, I just have always loved this aspect of it. And I really don't have to try too hard. People haven't gotten too hostile. I've put out warnings like, dudes, come on. Like, you know, you can have a conversation, but don't go to insults. You know, if you want to passionately state that you think that Bill and Ted's daughters should have remained sons, like they were presented to the audience at the end of Bill and Ted to make your argument, you know, that's fine, but don't like, don't get nasty. Don't go to politics. Don't go to name calling or, you know, definitely don't discriminate against trans people if that's where your argument's going to go. Otherwise, I haven't really had to do anything. So it's been pretty easy going. There's this very special thing that I feel like you're right on the same page with where before the internet, before YouTube, if you loved something and you had something that you could stare at, there was some sort of relationship similar to just being able to you know go down a youtube rabbit hole like you're looking at bill and ted's excellent comic book adventure still being immersed in the world and it's very special i gotta say so true and it's funny you look back now at some of the stuff that you would stare i would like just stare at the cover of a magazine like i I would like stare at the i i I mean 
I love the Bill and Ted posters, but I, w- I would stare at Back to the Future 2's poster like religiously. I just was obsessed with that poster, like the color, the logo, like just everything. Like it's, it's weird. And I had no attention span as a kid. I don't know how I did it. But, you know, we also used to read the uh, shampoo bottles when we were in the bathroom. So, yeah. <laughs> I have a copy of Marvel Comics Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the full movie adaptation. I, w- I wouldn't stare at the book for hours. I would look at it for a few minutes every day. I guess that's yep. what I mean. Because all we had were images that didn't move. And it's pretty special. I got to say, to make another link with a, uh, a stranger for that shared experience. I mean, we're talking about it like it's like a niche thing. But I have a feeling that um, a lot of people even, you know, plus or minus... 15 or more years probably have very similar experiences to what we're describing. And even though we think like, Oh, we were raised in this, you know, pre-digital era or whatever, like technology was crazy compared to when we were kids to what it was like 10, 15 years before that. And like how digital of a world we already lived in with, like I I had a computer in the early nineties, but even if you didn't just the fact that they exist existed in, in like, we're so easily whatever, but yeah, it is crazy how it just gets more and more like we feel like, oh, we were the last ones to experience true joy. <laughs> I feel like we have more in common with Gen Z than Gen X, for real. It's for funny. So, yeah, so many goes around, it's, it's coming around. <laughs> yeah. As you've probably said in these words on the Facebook group, as I'm going to say to you right now and to the audience, be excellent to each other. Right? Yeah. And I, party on, dudes. That's a great message for a movie that got into our conscious at such an early age. What a, what a, what a great subconscious loving thread to put in our, our brains via these two, maybe not stoners, maybe stoners, who knows, uh, fun. Yeah. I mean, and, and it just, it totally works like that. Of course they get it better than, than like all these people that are arguing over like the minutia of, you know, things that are just not important. And they just like, they simplify everything down. It's like they're in the future. Like the first thing they do is like philosophize with these future dudes that are like floating and they're it's not like not even like a big deal to them. And they just be excellent to each other. It's awesome. I'm sorry that I didn't do a great job interviewing. I had it in my mind that I really just wanted an episode where I could nerd out with somebody, but I hope that I, uh, I don't know if it's you have awesome, anything man. to plug, but I hope that I, return the favor of your time and kind by asking you about yourself as well as the nerding out. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm just talking to like an old friend. Like I, it's so rarely do I get to have like conversations with someone who had the same experience that I did growing up with just these things that I loved. And funny enough, um, my brother-in-law right now just texted me a picture of the opening screen, the logo for Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. He's 46. He said that he loved Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in 89. And then he said he watched half of Bogus Journey and shut it off in 1992. He would have been like 17 years old. <laughs> he said he just wasn't it. He wasn't interested in it. And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, I just thought it was like, you know, it just sucked. And I'm like, do you remember it? He's like, I don't really remember it. So I lent him my copies. He said, all right, I want to watch Excellent Adventure tonight. And he's like, I'm going to keep an open mind. Because like, he likes all these things that are in the second movie. So I was like, yeah. you're going to do, you're going to love it. You like Faith No More and Megadeth and and Primus. He, he likes Primus a lot. I'm like, dude, you're going to love this. Like, just get back into that like grunge era of when you were a teenager. Like you're literally the age that they were. 
So yeah, it's gonna be good. Anyway, um, no, dude, I had so much fun. And, and anytime that you want to uh, nerd out, if there's a different topic, uh, yeah, very sure. likely, uh, I uh, very likely relate to, you know, any nostalgia that you want to try and hit me with. All right, well, I'm going to see if I can keep Aaron on for a couple more minutes after I shut this down. But I want to thank you for enjoying this episode, just purely out of a love of uh, growing up when we did and, and, and the Bill and Ted movies and, and talking about fandom for an episode. Thank you for indulging that, listener, and um, party on. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. (laughs) 